My name is Joyce, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at IPC. Um, you, you must wonder sometimes, what do all those people do here anyway? Did you ever wonder that? I, I have the privilege of doing pastoral care, meeting with people when they're in crisis situations, and um, telling them about God's love, and telling them how God is with them in every situation in every circumstance. I also have the privilege of leading women's ministry, sisterhood, uh, where a bunch of awesome women get together and we grow in relationships with God and with each other. And another thing I do is I have the privilege of leading missional communities, and um, so I lead the downtown ministry and am so incredibly blessed by the um, core volunteers who come and serve there regularly, and the way that God is moving in that place. I need to tell you something about myself. I love a good whistler. Exactly, right? <laughs> who was that? Awesome. Robin, can you come up? And we need... I, I need another whistler. I, I was going to, did you know that our senior pastor is an amazing whistler? He's busy right now, so I can't, I really wanted to embarrass him, but I, I guess I need someone else. Who was that other whistler? Kelsey, do you want to come up? Awesome. Woo. So have you ever, um, done the game where you take Ritz, or where you take um, crackers and you chew them as quickly as you can and then whistle? <laughs> Isn't that dangerous? Um, is it dangerous? <laughs> we, we did it on our grade 8 school trip. Fantastic. Okay, so what we're going to do, you're gonna, each going to grab three. And um, we're, it, this is an experiment in human behavior and to see your technique. So on your mark, get set, go. And the first one to be able to whistle uh, gets a gift. Ooh, Robin's technique is to shove them all in. Kelsey's is to put them in one at a time. Very interesting. So, so, how's, so how's your mouth feeling right now? So either of you close to whistling? Mm -mm, I'm almost there. You're almost there? All right. James, maybe you can put up the, um, so my, <laughs> my, my gift to you once you whistle is to tell you some fun facts about water. <laughs> so whenever you're ready to whistle, we'll get to the fun facts about water. Well, a week, week. Yeah. Kelsey, I think you can do better. All right. Oh, we have a winner. You both are incredibly good sports. So did you know that um, water helps to keep the mucous membranes moist, and it helps um, to form saliva? Is that, aren't those fun facts? 
So what would you rather have? Some fun facts about water or would you like to have actual water? water actual water? Yeah. Today we're talking about Jesus and how Jesus met a woman at the well. And she was there to get physical water, but he told her about how much she actually needed spiritual water, everlasting water. So thank you so much for demonstrating how important water is to us. You guys are awesome. We have a special, another special treat. Grandma Phyllis is going to read us today's passage from John 4. Do you Phyllis just came back from Florida just to bless us with God's word. Isn't that awesome? Thanks, Phyllis. I tried to bring you spring, but it took about a week for it to follow me. This is a long passage. I'm going to read about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm reading from John 4, starting at verse 4. Now he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria. He was going from Judea up to Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria. So he came into a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers 
will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes at, and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests, harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Thanks so much, Phyllis. A long passage, but certainly a, an intriguing dialogue between Jesus and this woman. Amazing the way that Jesus could meet her where she was at, and then she in turn could go and testify to the profoundness of meeting Jesus. So this morning I'd like to look at Jesus' offer of salvation, how it was completely free, how great it was for her, and the process he went through in drawing her into that gift of salvation. And I'd also like to look at the Samaritan woman's testimony, how transparent it was, how simple it was, and how brave she was in sharing her story. This, this story, this long story, can um, show us so many things about how we can share the gospel with others. It can inform so much of how we do ministry. We can see that Jesus is very intentional. He stops by the well to meet with this woman. Did you notice? He sent 12 disciples off to get a meal for 13 people. Do you think there was something else going on behind that? Do you think maybe he knew the only way he could have a real conversation with this woman was if his disciples were nowhere around? So he's very intentional what with what he did. 
he's clearly making an opportunity to have conversation with her, which when the disciples come back, they're, told, they're amazed, like, what is Jesus doing talking to this woman? And even the woman is incredibly uh, surprised when Jesus is there, and then he asks her for a drink. Check out her response. She says, but you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then what's in um, brackets is kind of the understatement of the century that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't associate with each other because the truth was that they hated each other. And this um, hatred for each other went back centuries. The Samaritans were the people of Israel left behind when, when, um, when Israel was captured and some, some people like Daniel and Nehemiah were take, taken into slavery, there were others that were left behind. And they integrated their lives with um, their captors. So they were half Jewish, quarter Jewish. And the Jewish people who came back they struggled with snobbery. So some people, when they, were, when they were going from Judea to Galilee, like Jesus was, would go all the way around Samaria. They would take extra kilometers to make that happen. But Jesus, being Jesus, being the Son of God, went straight through and met this woman at the well. So he... He wasn't restricted by racial barriers, by centuries of dispute, by centuries of loathing. And then he spoke to a woman. During that time, men did not speak to women, especially not in public, and especially not, a man would never speak to a woman he didn't know. And yet Jesus, sitting there, spoke to her and said, can you get me a drink? And the other thing that's peculiar about this woman was that she came at the sixth hour. She came in the middle of the day. Most women would have come to the well at the beginning of the day before the sun was really hot and bright, before being outdoors would have been just gross. I know we're all longing for warm weather, aren't we? But at that place, at that time, it would have been just so incredibly hot. And all the other women would have come at the beginning of the day, and they would have made it fun. They would have caught up. They would have taken opportunity to converse with each other, to, con to uh, catch up on what was happening in each other's lives. But this woman waited till everybody was back in the shade, till everyone was back in their houses. She wanted to go at a time where no one would notice her where no one would sneer at her for the things she had done. So she went in the middle of the day thinking no one would bug her, no one would notice her. And then she met this rabbi, this teacher. So Jesus overcome the, overcame the barrier of ethnicity, of gender. He, he overcame her social isolation, her moral isolation, and he met her where she was. And he said to her, will you give me a drink? 
he, um, he defied all the barriers to meet her where she was. And, and Jesus responds to her questions, to her surprise by saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Jesus is truly being the embodiment of the gospel message. He's living the good news story. He's defying all social expectations to graciously and freely share the good news with this woman. So she says, okay, I'll have this water, but how are you going to get it? And Jesus shows that his offer of salvation is greater than she could ever imagine. She, he offers her spiritual water, spiritual refreshment, something more important than physical water, even though physical water is so incredibly important. Right, Robin? When this woman asks for living water, Jesus seems to change the subject, doesn't he? He asks her to go get her husband and come back. Is Jesus changing the subject? Is he being rude? Or is he trying to get at a deeper issue? Jesus is offering her living water, something that will meet every one of her needs, something that will meet every one of her desires. And Jesus, being the Son of God, knows that she's misplaced her deepest desires. She thought that maybe in a relationship with men, she would find love and acceptance and security, things that she could only ever find in Jesus Christ. So he's not really changing the subject. He's just getting to the heart of the matter. He's just getting to where she's really at and where he knows he can really meet her and really give her the good news that she so needs. She's not so sure. How did he know? How did he know this about her? And what on earth is he talking about? So she thinks, hmm, he's a rabbi. Oh, most rabbis are really concerned about temples. Maybe he'll leave this part of my life alone if I talk about where we should worship. He'll leave that part alone. So she says, so, you know, where, I see you're a prophet, so where do you think the most important place to worship is? Is it Jerusalem, or is it our temple in Samaria? And Jesus again graciously comes back to her and says, he is, will replace temples, that he is there to meet her deepest need, that when his time comes, and whenever the um, Gospel of John talks about the hour or the time, Jesus is always talking about the hour of his death, the hour of his crucifixion. He knows that what this woman needs is hope and life and gracious forgiveness that he came to earth to accomplish on the cross. 
Jesus knows that she's not going to find love and acceptance in the string of relationships, the string of men, but that she will find grace and forgiveness and new life, abundant life, eternal life in him. So Jesus brilliantly sticks with her while she tries to change the subject and patiently and lovingly offers eternal life. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Do you see how he's connecting with this woman? Jesus connects with her in a much different way than he did in the previous chapter of John. In John 3, he meets with Nicodemus, and he's, he goes right at Nicodemus, and he says, you have to be born again. You have to give up everything, all your education, all your pride, and you have, to be, you have to give it all up. Because the only thing that keeps us away from accepting a free gift is our pride, is our self-sufficiency. And in John 3, Nicodemus walks away, and we don't know what happens until much later in John. But God, but Jesus knows that this woman needs gentleness. She needs grace. She needs living water. She needs guidance to a better way. So he's so gentle with her. He's so gracious. From this we can learn that we need to share God's love with different people in different ways. We need to get to know their situation. We, get to, we need to get to know their deepest longings. We, get, we need to get to know both the good and the bad. And we need to stick with them through the messiness of life. It's in long-term relationships when we can really get to know others that we can share God's incredible love. Where we can share why we do what we do, what makes us tick. How, how we spend our time, how we prioritize what we do. It's in long-term loving relationships that we can get to know people and meet them where they're at. And we can let them know where Jesus has met us. We can let them know about the messiest times in our lives. God has gifted me with a disease called arthritis. And I mean it. I mean gifted me. Because although it causes pain and it causes me to limp, it also is a pretty good conversation starter. Because it doesn't take long for me to walk up to someone and they say, what's up with your leg? And I can let them know I have this lousy disease called rheumatoid arthritis. And yeah, it hurts, but I'm doing okay. Or I can say, yeah, it really hurts. I kind of need your prayers today. Because I know that I can only get through the pain with Jesus' strength. I can only accomplish the tasks that I want to do, that I long to do, with Jesus' love and mercy and grace and enough strength for this moment. And knowing that I can count on him for the next moment in the next moment. 
Chris is talking about a series that where um, God doesn't always make sense. But once in a while in life, we get to know why we suffer. Because that's the place where Jesus can meet us. That's the place where we can talk about what God has done. That's the place where we can share with our friends and people that God puts on our path just how amazing his love is. How amazing his strength and his goodness and his forgiveness and his grace are. So we see Jesus meeting this woman where she's at saying, I don't care that you're a Samaritan. I don't care that you're a woman. I don't care how many husbands you've had. I have a gift for you. I have salvation for you. I have forgiveness for you. I have healing to the depth of your brokenness for you. He says to her, my time is coming where I will take all your brokenness to the cross. The time is coming where Jesus will take himself to the cross and there take on all our brokenness and cry out, I thirst. He probably was physically very thirsty, but he was also spiritually so incredibly thirsty because he had been separated from God's goodness and love and mercy, and he was experiencing hell for us. He was experiencing all our brokenness, all our pain, so that he could conquer death itself, so he could conquer our brokenness, so he could offer us eternal life. So Jesus experienced the ultimate thirst so that we could have the water of eternal life. And what does this woman do when she finally is getting that this amazing man who's talking to her has this? He's a prophet who cares about her so deeply. She drops her water jug. She drops her old life, and she runs back to the village, back to the very people she was trying to avoid. And she lets them know, come, come see this man who told me everything I've ever done. There's this morally inferior woman who they've gossiped about, who they've ridiculed, but they, they drop what they're doing and they, they come and see. They come and see what she's talking about and there's some amazing verses at the end of this story that they came out of the town and they made their way towards him and many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told them everything I ever did so when the Samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed with them for two days and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, this isn't only your story. This has become our story. 
We no longer believe just because what you have said. Now we have heard it for ourselves. And we know that this man truly is the savior of the world. Her testimony was incredibly effective. It brought many others to believe. There's so many things to learn from this. But we can know about God's offer of salvation. We can know that God meets us right where we're at. We, we can learn how gentle and gracious Jesus is as he offers this gift. We can know that we have a treasure, we have good news, and keeping it to ourselves would be incredibly selfish. It's because I've experienced God's incredible grace and forgiveness because I've experienced God's continued strength being with me in my darkest, most painful times, that I love to go and meet with people and tell them, come and see, come and see. Let me tell you about what Jesus has done. So Tuesday nights for about four years, Four years in next month, we have been meeting every Tuesday. Haven't missed one. And we, we endeavor to create a safe place for people. A safe place where there's no barriers, where everybody is welcome. And over the past few months, I've been so incredibly blessed by more of you dropping by. Aaron and the team came at Christmas and... Um, we were able to enjoy the incredible good news that the, her whole team brought at Christmas time. We experienced that downtown as well. And Good Friday, for Good Friday, the same, we were so blessed. And I've been so incredibly blessed by a core of really faithful people who come every week. And gathering together, making food together, Making food is kind of not the point. The point is meeting with people where they're at, doing something together, connecting with them, building long-term relationships where we can say, come and see. There's this God who loves you more than you can ever imagine. There's this God who wants to forgive you, doesn't care about your past, but certainly has a purpose and a future for you. It's, it's a great place. I'd love for each and every one of you to experience it. It's real, authentic, safe community where we can gather and we can share our life stories, share what God has done. And there's lots of people who think we're full of it. <laughs> and that's okay, too. If they just come for the food, that's all right. But we try to win them over with our love, with our care, with our gentleness, with the good news of who Jesus Christ is. For some time, I felt like, you know, four hours on a Tuesday just isn't enough. To make a real impact, to really meet people where they're at, we need to be there more. We need to have more of a presence. So I've been... We've been blessed by session thinking, hey, that sounds like an all right idea. Didn't take much deliberation at all. And
end for you to bless us incredibly by saying, yeah, I can increase my givings by $10 a week to make this happen, to create a safe place for others to come and get to know about God's incredible love for them. So I can't wait to see what God is going to accomplish. He's already opened so many doors. The, the board at the River of Life has, has said that they're willing to have us around a little more often. And over the next months, I'm going to be visiting um, other places that have downtown ministry, other places that offer opportunities for um, people who are on uh, disability assistance to um, have some gainful employment, some purposefulness. And so I'm going to be checking out some other social enterprises and seeing how we can care for not only people's spiritual needs, but care for them as whole people, care for them as image bearers of God, care for them as people who God dearly loves. So I thank you so much for your incredible support of this ministry. I thank you for walking alongside, for coming and saying, hey, you're valuable. I want to tell you about Jesus. So on May 10th, I would love for many of you to come to 415 Dundas Street to come and see what God is doing in that place. To come and see how this building needs a little TLC. We're looking for someone who um, can kind of oversee a project. There's uh, sometimes when we vacuum with two vacuum cleaners, we trip breakers. I think there's something we can do about that. And there's different things we can do just to get ready for the next thing that God is going to do in that place. So May 10th, I'd love for you to come and see what's happening. Come and see how God is at work. Come and see how he might be able to use your gifts to build his kingdom. Don't we have an incredible Savior? He meets us where we're at. He gets down to our most brokenness and offers us healing and forgiveness and new life, eternal life. Let's come to that God in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for sending us Jesus, who took all our pain, all our brokenness, who took it to the cross and cried out, I thirst, so we would never be thirsty again, so our souls and our lives could be quenched. Dear God, continue to spring up in us. Continue to fill us with your love with your goodness, with your grace, so that we can worship you in our lives, so we can testify to you in our relationships, so we can bring others to come and see your goodness and your grace. Thank you, God, for who you are and for all you're doing.